It is Thursday, February 8th, 2024, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kelly. I'm Matthew Moore. Today, a new global center for Korean food at the University of Arkansas. Can foster a mutual understanding and benefit between the United States and South Korea by leveraging my expertise in food science and consumer science using the universal language of food. Plus, interest rates in Arkansas. Just because they waited too long to raise rates shouldn't mean that they wait too long to then drop rates, which also has its uh, long-term negative drawbacks. And Carnotic Music inside the Furman Garner Performance Studio. All of that after the news from NPR. KUAF is supported by Gotta Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs. Guests can enjoy events from the perfect pairing tasting dinner to Super Bowl Sunday and not so big game day. More information at gottahold.beer. This is Ozarks at Large for February 8th, 2024. I'm Matthew Moore. Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Arkansas. Later today, members of the Rave Cultural Center discuss the upcoming performance of Carnatic Music at Record in Bentonville. We'll hear a sampler of that music on today's show. That's in our second half hour. First today, you've heard of K-pop and K-dramas, but what about K-food? Korean staples like kimchi and bulgogi have grown in popularity across the U.S. And the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture has established a new global center for Korean food. Dr. Han Suk-so is a professor of food science and the director of the new research center. He recently spoke with Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth, and he says he got the idea after learning that 2023 was the 120th anniversary of the first Korean migrants to Arkansas. So I thought that the establishment of Global Center for K-Food can foster a mutual understanding and benefit between the United States and South Korea by leveraging my expertise in food science and consumer science using the universal language of food. So food is universal language, okay? So even though they don't know language, actually they understand what it means, right, food. So that's why I wanted to uh, leverage using this ex- my expertise and uh, the universal language of food. And for you, I'm wondering, you know, specifically when it comes to Korean food yeah. here in, in Arkansas, like what is it about that that you feel like this is a good place to to explore that and to do this kind of work? And, and why are you drawn to it, I guess? The main reason is I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason. Yeah, I, I can establish this one in other states. Um, and also, so notably key ingredients of Korean uh, culinary traditions are rice and chicken and soybeans. So, and these are abundantly produced in Arkansas. So I thought maybe Arkansas is the best state or place to produce using our locally grown commodities. Yeah. And so, um, you know, when doing this work and, and working for the center, what kinds of research, what, what are you guys doing? What is it that people can expect to come out of the center? When I established this center, I thought what could be vision, okay? The Global Center for K-Food has a vision to strengthen diverse, healthy, sustainable food system throughout the global collaborative effort 
driven by research, education, and outreach. So mainly there are three keywords, diversity, health, and sustainability. So we will facilitate a collaborative research project between the United States and Korean researchers in K-food-related field. Uh, you know, K-food is currently popular globally. Uh, since I joined the University of Arkansas in 2012, uh, I have been conducting many research projects regarding Korean food in a collaboration with researchers in South Korea. So, for example, when I had a Korean rice cake project in 2015 to 2018, I found some potential, but it was not impactful at that time. However, uh, with an increased popularity of K-pop, K-dramas, and K-movie, I feel that, okay, it is right time to have more research and more education and more outreach about K-food. So that's why I established this uh, center last year. And going from, you know, like 2012 to now, especially like with colleagues, with students, uh, and establishing this center for K-food, how have people's maybe understanding of Korean food and their their knowledge of it, has it changed? Has it grown a lot? Like, what have you seen? Uh, to be honest, very small amount of knowledge about uh, yeah. Korean food. But throughout my uh, previous research project about K-food, I promoted uh, K-diet and Korean food to my students and to my staff and also my uh, colleagues and neighborhood. But still, we need uh, more education and more outreach program to promote and to uh, explain uh, Korean culture and Korean diet. So this is very good opportunity to learn uh, different culture or different uh, food or diet. And this also can enhance our cultural diversity. So, and also, uh, since 2020, uh, some people or some colleagues in my department asked me how to learn Korean language. And I thought, okay, maybe it would be great if we have some Korean language school or Korean culture school mm-hmm. so they can deliver what they can share our Korean culture or uh, Korean culture or language or any kinds of things with them. So there is also a good opportunity to establish through this uh, global center, we also have some plan to initiate a Korean culture school. So that includes Korean language and Korean cuisine making and also a Korean uh, pop song or Korean song. Yes. Nice. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of you know that, you guys are having a Lunar New Year yeah, celebration yes, coming yes. up this Friday, right? right? right. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe if people are going, what they can expect? Yes, as I mentioned earlier, 102 Korean people, they visited the United States 120 years ago. So I wonder how many bowls, or how many serving size I need to prepare. <laughs> At that time, okay, maybe it's uh, good to prepare and to share 102 bowls to 102 mm. uh, people in the United States. So actually, when I think probably someone gave some meals or treat meals to them, right? Yeah. So I think, okay, maybe now I need to give back these meals to people in the United States. So that's why I thought maybe one or two would be a good start mm-hmm. 
to share and to give back this uh, Korean meal to them. And then hopefully this one can increase 1,020 <laughs> and more. <laughs> Hopeful, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when people, if people are going to this, you know, what, um, what can they expect? Maybe someone doesn't know about Lunar New Year, but they, they want to know what to expect and maybe how it would be different uh, for Korea um, apart from, say, maybe a Lunar New Year celebration in China or other parts of Southeast Asia. Lunar New Year is a celebration of the arrival of spring and the beginning of a new year based on the lunar calendar. So during that day, uh, we celebrate with our families and relatives. And also we share some traditional dish. It's called duck cook. So duck is rice cake and cook is broth, meat broth. We prepare this duck cook and share with our family and relatives and also neighborhood. So there are several meanings why we uh, eat this traditional dish. Um, actually, this white rice cake is very long stretched one. It's called garret duck. It is very long. So that means for uh, longer longevity and health, and also the color is white, so that is pure and cleanness. And then we can uh, thinly slice this garlic duck, and then we put this sliced uh, rice cake into the meat broth. Mm -hmm. And then we also add some garnish. Um, so Juline uh, has uh, cooked eggs and tender marinated meat and green onions and some uh, finely shredded dry sea wheat we can also put uh, on the top of the the broth. And for the Korean population who does exist here in Arkansas, who lives here, uh, maybe they're second generation or their yes. parents are immigrants, mm -hmm. so, you know, what does it mean to have this center here for them to say this is something that, that the university is investing in and, and believes in? You know, what does that mean for, for someone who is Korean in Arkansas? Yeah, I think um, second generation or third generation in Arkansas they also, I think they also miss some Korean traditional cuisine. And also, even though they can speak little, uh, they can speak Korean language, maybe we can also uh, provide some, as I mentioned, Korean language or Korean culture schools. So through these Korean language or Korean culture schools, they can also get their identity and also they can learn uh, about Korean and Korean cuisine and Korean traditions. So that also can give them more confidence. That will be also good for the centers and contribution from this center. And so getting back to um, some projects that you guys have coming up, I know we have the, the uh, Lunar New Year yeah. event this week. Are there any things uh, maybe further down the line that, that you know about that are coming out that people can be um, aware of? Yeah, we have, <clears throat> I have very small uh, space, mm -hmm. so that's why I cannot I cannot invite one or two people at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I separate three sessions: eleven o'clock, noon, and one p.m. Uh, Thirty-four people per sessions, and then we have some orientation, and I'm going to explain about Korean cuisine and Korean tradition uh, related to the Lunar New Year, and then I'm going to make. Tteokguk, 
and then share this dokguk with them. And also we provide some Korean uh, snacks and Korean style uh, coffee after the dokguk. And then we also play uh, some Korean song related to Lunar New Year. So this is very uh, short but very impactful song. And then we also play uh, jaggy. Uh, this is another tradition, traditional play work uh, during the Lunar New Year. So we want to play this one together at that time as well. This event is open to general public, not the University of Arkansas community only. So this one is open to anyone. So please join us. Uh, RSVP, as I mentioned, the space is very limited. So only 34 people per session. But, you know, many big companies they started from garage or very small room, right? <laughs> so this is also the same. Uh, I have no funding. I have no specific space for this center. But I think uh, if we work together, and if we enjoy this activity through uh, this center, I think uh, we can grow up, and someday we can have some specific uh, space to make a bigger event and bigger celebration with more people. Uh, so that's why I founded this center on the uh, winter solitude. So that is the shortest day, uh, the year's shortest day. So that symbolizes we start from the humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the next day is, the day is longer and longer and longer, mm-hmm. right? So from, even though today the winter solitude is shortest day, but from tomorrow, our day will be longer and longer and longer. Like this, our center has no funding and no specific space today or this Friday. And next year or next year's and next year's, yeah, we may have more funding and we have more space and we invite more people to celebrate together. So that's why I established uh, this center during the uh, winter solstice last year. That was Professor Han Suk So, director of the new Global Center for Korean Food through the U of A Division of Agriculture, speaking with Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth. A link to the Lunar New Year RSVP is available at our website, KUAF.com. Coming up in about five minutes on Ozarks at Large, a conversation with economist Mervyn Jebaraj about interest rates and Arkansas. That's ahead. This month's Short Talks from the Hill features William Schreckheis, professor and chair of the Department of Political Science at the University of Arkansas. Schreckheis's research addresses American politics, public policy, law, administrative law, and public administration. In the podcast, he discusses a recent study on civility, gridlock, polarization, and productivity in state legislators. While he suspected there was a link, Schreckheis and his co-authors, including U of A colleague Eric Button, were surprised by the strength of the link. Even when you take into account the extent of party polarization, the population size of the state, the competitiveness of the political parties, all these other things, the degree to which the state lobbyists rate the legislature as being civil is the best predictor of how many bills that legislature passed and whether or not they passed that budget on time and whether or not they passed some kind of important legislation. You can listen to Shrek Heiss wherever you get your podcasts or by going to arkansasresearch.uark.edu, the home of research and economic development news at the University of Arkansas. 
You can also find Short Talks from the Hill online at KUAF.com. This is Ozarks at Large. A newly formed coalition is exploring ways to make childcare more available and more affordable in Arkansas. More than 30 businesses, nonprofit organizations, and chambers of commerce are working with Excel by 8 to identify solutions to childcare needs. Angela Duran, the executive director of Excel by 8, says the work began with a childcare task force two years ago, identifying tasks to improve childcare availability for Arkansas families. If they wanted to improve their own hiring and retention of workers, then they needed to do three things related to childcare. And so one of those is that we just need more quality options for parents. There aren't enough out there in Arkansas. Childcare is not affordable for many working parents. We need to do more for that. And then childcare providers themselves need to be able to pay their own employees enough so that they can provide quality care. Duran says the basic financial realities of child care in Arkansas make it extremely difficult for families to afford child care. In Arkansas, and for an infant or a toddler, so your smallest kids, it's going to cost a family about $7,300 a year. And at the highest quality levels, that's about $10,000 a year. So if you look at someone making the median hourly wage in Arkansas, which is about $18 a year, they would have to spend about a third of their income just to cover, um, I mean, of their wages just to cover care for their for their infant or toddler. The coalition's first meeting took place late last month in January, and Duran says they hope to have recommendations for the Arkansas legislature by summer. We'll have more about the Excel by 8 Coalition for Child Care on Weekend Ozarks at Large, Sunday morning at 9 on KUAF. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. Tyson Foods reported better-than-expected quarterly earnings on Monday and said its chicken business is benefiting from U.S. plant closures. The Springdale-based company closed five chicken processing plants over the past year and two facilities where workers cut and packaged beef, all in a bid to boost results. It plans to shut another chicken plant this year. Tyson Foods reported fiscal first quarter earnings of $107 million. Revenue in the period was $13.3 billion. For a deeper dive into the quarterly earnings report, Kim Souza has a recap on our website, and you can find that at nwabusinessjournal.com. When we come back, we will get an update on the state and national economy from University of Arkansas economist Mervyn Jebaraj. That's next on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. More at ArkansasStateChamber.com. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Live fearless. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas, and it shows in your banking experience. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. 
That's because First Security is 100% focused on serving customers all across the state and nowhere else. It's local banking with local commitment. First Security. Bank better. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Last week, Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell said Americans may have to wait beyond March for the central bank to cut interest rates. And there may not be many of them. That admission was somewhat surprising news to both consumers and financial markets. For his take on the chairman's comments, we spoke recently with Mervyn Jebaraj, an economist with the Sam M. Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas. It's hard to second-guess another individual. Uh, we will get the exact minutes of their discussion uh, you know, in a little bit, but it's not. Um, to me, it sounds like they're trying to get the markets to not anticipate uh, you know, dramatic rate cuts this year, uh, that the Fed is still very watchful about the rate of inflation. Now, keep in mind that the last several readings that we've gotten on the state of inflation is that inflation is well within the projected range that the Federal Reserve wants it to be. So there are you know, the two measures of inflation, the consumer price index, it's very broad-based and doesn't change the products uh, in its lineup. Um, and the one that the Federal Reserve uses, which is personal consumption expenditures, so core personal consumption expenditures without food, without energy. And you know, on a year-over-year -year basis, that's still little over 3%. Uh, but if you look at the six-month change, the three-month change, the two-month change, the one-month change, those are all 2% or under 2%, which is exactly where the Federal Reserve wants that to be. So. You could argue that they're already at their rate. Now, obviously, they can stand behind the 3% uh, year-over-year rate and say, well, that's, we still want that to go to 2%. But the, you know, there are some compositional effects in there that will take a while to uh, even out and get to 2%. That rate, uh, the you know, personal consumption expenditure is probably not going to get to 2% uh, for a little while longer. But I think we can all agree that we've probably broken the back of the majority of this inflation. So I think the Federal Reserve is trying to have it both ways. They, they want to signal to the markets to not engage in irrational exuberance. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, they want to, you know, they did change the language somewhat to indicate that the rates are not going up anymore. Throw back to the old Alan Greenspan there. It was very important yeah. to place that in there. I, I think, too, you know how you economists have uh, like two hands, two-handed economists on the one hand and on the other hand. I. I sense that the Fed was trying to, they got criticized for not moving fast enough on inflation. So they're not going to want to get criticized for easing off on inflation as much. And that has dangers as well to not cut interest right. rates before so, uh, it gets too, uh, yeah. too underheated. I, I think that's certainly, you know, I certainly think that that is driving some of their decision making. But the flip side of that is just because they waited too long to raise rates shouldn't mean that they wait too long to then drop rates, which also has its uh, long term negative drawback. So we've had, you know, minus the inflation issue, we've had a great economy in the last several years, a lot of jobs, wage increases, especially in the last year, wage increases have outpaced the rate of inflation. So. We don't want to lose the gains that we've had in this economy. You know, we've created more jobs. A lot more people are working than have in a couple of decades. Uh, so there are a lot of gains to keep from this economy. And one way to keep it would be to ease off on the interest rates sooner. 
uh, so that we don't push ourselves into a slowdown and a recession. Now, um, I think there's still on balance might get that right. Uh, but keep in mind that the federal funds rate is just the neutral rate that they set. Um, it's currently between five and a quarter and five and a half. Uh, when they set this, the inflation rate was much higher. So if you think of you know the actual interest rate as being the federal funds rate minus the rate of inflation, then the real interest rate has actually gone up in the last several months, even though they have not changed the federal funds rate because the rate of inflation has gone down. So um, in a sense, uh, borrowing has gotten more expensive because inflation rate has gone down and the federal funds hasn't come down with it. So I think it's tighter today. Monetary policy is tighter than they had it when they set it at five and a quarter and five and a half. So I think it, my my own view is that they should cut soon. Um, I don't expect them to, but that is my view. That's economist Mervyn Jebaraj speaking on a recent episode of Talk Business and Politics with Roby Brock. For more of that interview, you can watch over on our sister website at talkbusiness.net. In other news this week, Wallace Design Collective, that's an engineering firm based in Tulsa, has opened an office on the second floor of the Hunt Tower in Rogers, Pinnacle Hills area. The company has 35 principals and more than 250 employees with offices in Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Atlanta, Denver, Kansas City, and Nashville. ArcBest Corporation of Fort Smith on Tuesday reported fourth quarter net income of $48.8 million. For the year, the freight transportation and logistics company reported profit of $195.4 million, or $793 a share. Revenue was reported as $4.4 billion. And don't forget that nominations are open for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal's inaugural Northwest Arkansas Outstanding Business Awards. The awards program includes four categories, small business, large business, startups, and nonprofit. An independent judges panel will select four finalists in each category, and they will be highlighted in the April 8th issue of the Business Journal. Winners will be announced and honored at a luncheon event. Nominations can be made through February the 29th and are open to businesses with operations in Benton, Carroll, Crawford, Madison, Sebastian, and Washington counties. You can submit those nominations and find more information online at nwabusinessjournal.com. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. Earlier this week in the Furman Garner Performance Studio, we hosted three young musicians and an officer from the Rave Cultural Foundation. Saturday night, the musicians are part of an annual performance presented by Rave featuring young artists excelling in traditional music and dance. The concert will be at the Record in downtown Bentonville beginning at 5. Here's part of our conversation and the performance of Carnatic Music performed Monday afternoon. Nandini, I'm the treasurer of Rave Cultural Foundation. Medanch, I'll be performing violin. Matangirun, I will be performing violin. 
My name is Vedanta Tilly. I will be performing Mridangam, the South Indian drums. So Rave promotes Indian performing arts in the Northwest Arkansas region and we have many students here who are learning these art forms and a lot of them have been learning like these two here, Matangi and Medanj for more than a decade and um, we wanted to give them a platform, encourage them to continue learning, to you know, continue inspiring other students like them who are just starting out. Um, so we started this youth festival. We call it the Yuva Utsav. Yuva is youth and Utsav is festival. What will we hear? What will we see? It's going to be split into 90-minute segments with a 30-minute break in between. The first 90 minute, we are going to have Matangi and Medanj perform violin. They are going to have a percussion artist joining them, Vishak from Oklahoma City. He's driving in on Friday. Once they are done, we get a little half hour break. We are going to have some yummy snacks available for everyone during the break time. Um, then people would come back in for about 15, 20 minutes. Vedant Atili is going to be playing Mridangam, the percussion instrument. Um, and then we have another Kathak dancer, that's the North Indian classical dance form. She's flying in from Virginia. She's going to perform for another 60 minutes, and then we'll wrap up. Let me ask the performers, um, what attracted you to take the classes and, and pursue this entertainment? Well, I started classes when I was in kindergarten. So at first, my mom just wanted me to learn Carnatic violin, and she put me in the classes, and I started going. And then as I got older, um, and I didn't want to practice as much, or I didn't want to go to class as much, um, my mom, because I always wondered, you know, if it was if it was what I wanted to do, or it was because my mom put me in the classes. And then um, having, growing older, and then having my mom threaten to take away the classes if I didn't practice. <laughs> I wouldn't practice for a while, or I wouldn't be motivated enough to want to go to class. And then my mom would be like, Oh, let's um, let's stop your violin classes then. If you don't want to do it, it's okay. She never made it as a threat, but I took it as a threat. I was like, no, 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 no. Please don't stop my violin classes because <laughs> I just love playing. What do you love so much about the violin? I love how you can play pretty much anything. There's a lot of improvisation in Carnatic music that can really bring out the beauty of different ragams or like different scales, and it's really fun to mess around with the improvisation of it. <laughs> How about you? What what led you to it? Uh, I think for a lot of us, it's the same start of the story. Where it's our parents that got us into it. For me, it was the same thing where I started learning in about like my first grade. Um, and then you know I wasn't really like my thing was I wasn't as motivated by myself as I was by my parents. But you know over the years, you know I've grown to love the art form more. Uh, for me. I really like violin because um, something that my teacher always says is it's one of the instruments that's most similar to the human voice. And um, the school of music that my teacher is from, it's known to have something called like the singing violin. So I really appreciate the ability to kind of mimic that noise of a vocalist and just kind of sing with my instrument. So when I was five, um Ms. Srividya was hosting a camp, uh, a Mridangam camp. So um, I wanted to try it out. And also, um, I, ha I used to listen to the Mridangam a bit. And uh, I was like, oh, this is cool. And then, um, so um, 
I went to the camp. Um, there I saw how how, how the the Merlingum was made, and um, I got to do a few things on the Merlingum. I saw that I really liked it, so I wanted to join. And also, um, I my fingers just move around a lot, so I thought it was perfect for me. Are you a musician? No, I'm not. <laughs> I wish. Now, um, I moved from India, and we ch- made a choice to come and live here. And uh, we all make a choice on how we are going to stay in touch, how we are going to put roots here while having a step out there at home. Um, How are we going to pass on the culture and tradition to the generations? How are we going to um, continue growing this art form, which has been like thousands of years old, and it still has retained the core however it was played thousands of years back. Um, And we wanted to have a place where that is still continued in its purest form, you know, and there can be shoot off from it, but we still want to contain that purest form, tell them, hey, you know, learn this, and then you can improvise and you can go in whichever direction you want. Um, That is something that Rave strives to do. Um, that is why we insist on bringing classical music. We provide workshops, we provide classes, we provide performances. So it's a, it's again a community effort. You know, students they just cannot go to classes and assume that you know they are going to learn it, and which is what they were doing when they were just growing up. Um, so and we would take them to cities like Tulsa or Dallas to go watch somebody else perform a professional. We have hundreds of students who are learning these art forms here, and uh, it's getting busy. We don't want all the parents to drive every weekend, six hours, five hours, to watch something. We wanted to bring that opportunity here. So they can come and attend classes, and uh, we will bring in master artists from India or excellent or the top of their field. They will come and teach these students so they can get inspired. They'll come and watch them perform so they can get inspired more and continue learning. Everybody needs some kind of motivation in their life and uh, and it has to come from everywhere. You know, it can come from your teacher, it can come from attending a performance, attending a concert, it can come from seeing another student playing. Uh, we want to build that community. You know, again, as I said, it is thousands of years old. It is worth learning what it is. Doesn't matter, um, what genre of music you're learning or you're a musician or not, it is worth to know what is this thousands of years old art form is and how it has developed through the years and how it has managed to retain the core of it. Um, and that is why we want to expose this art form to Northwest Arkansas as well. Mm. You brought instruments with you, yes? Yes. yes. Would you be willing to play a little bit?
You also performance is Saturday night beginning at 5 at The Record in downtown Bentonville, presented by the Rave Cultural Foundation. You can learn much more about the foundation and the performance and reserve tickets by following the links at Rave Cultural Foundation. That's R-A-V-E Foundation.org. We also have a link at OzarksAtLarge.com. This week's Sound Perimeter explores music and water. Leo Uribe, Professor of Music and Associate Dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with an excerpt from Chinese-American composer Tan Dun's three-movement Water Concert. Tan Dun's compositional style is characterized by his innovative use of instruments crafted from organic materials such as paper, water, and stone, and his works draw inspiration from traditional Chinese theatrical and ritual performances. This particular piece, the Water Concerto, exemplifies this approach, utilizing the sounds of splashes, pools, and flows of water as a solo musical instrument that interacts with the orchestra. The performance involves the use of balls, bottles, tools, and hands to create a diverse range of water audio effects, ranging from delicate to very dramatic. Tandun says that this concerto is inspired by his memories of daily life in Hunan, where water plays a central role. The piece captures the rhythmic and beautiful sounds associated with activities like laundry, swimming, and other water-related rituals. Let us listen to a few other snippets of Tandun Water Concerto performed by the Malta Philharmonic Orchestra and Chinese percussionist Bebe Wang under the baton of Pavel Schneider. Thank you. 
that was excerpts from Tandun Water Concerto performed by the Malta Philharmonic Orchestra and Chinese percussionist Bei Bei Wang under the baton of Pavel Schneider. Agua Verge is a bossa nova song written in 1961 by Vinicius de Moraes and Antonio Carlos Jovim. Since it has been interpreted and popularized over the years by many singers from all over the world. The words of this song are simple. Love is heartbreaking, but we need it in our lives as we need drinking water to survive. The 2019 rendition we're about to listen to of Agua Jebeberge, performed by Clarissa Sad and Joao Luis Resende, offers a fresh and innovative interpretation of this classic song. Clarissa Sad immerses us in a world rich with colors, textures, sounds, and noises, where water emerges as a captivating element alongside the already beautiful vocal and guitar lines. Água de bebê, camarada. Água de bebê, 
Rago de bebê, camarada. Rago de bebê. Rago de bebê, camarada. Rago de bebê. Today in San Perimeter, we embarked on an auditory exploration guided by our two featured artists, Tandun and Clarissa Sad, to find water in music and music in water. Together, we discovered the presence of water within musical compositions and the musicality inherent in water itself. I hope this journey allowed you to immerse yourself in imagery evoking water's tranquility, power and vitality. Find more about our featured music and musicians in the program notes. This is Leah Uribe, Professor of Music and Associate Dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Sound Perimeter is a show written and hosted by me and produced by Sophia Nurani, KUAF 91.3 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. This segment is dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. Have a beautiful day. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, art and technology will coexist in a new class offered by the University of Arkansas Honors College. Topics like virtual reality and augmented reality, AI, all these things, and say, what happens when we look at these things as tools and then ask, what, what can those tools do? That story, plus a conversation about friendship and working together, Recorded at Butterfield Trail Village in Fayetteville by our mobile listening lab on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large. You can also listen with the free Ozarks at Large podcast or hear our most recent edition of the program by asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville, a listener-supported service the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors today included Daniel Carruth, Leah Ribe, Paul Gatling, and Roby Brock. Additional production help today from Stephanie Brock and Sophie Nurani. Matthew produced today's show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. I know we're audio, we're radio, but I would really suggest going to the videos connected to today's sound perimeter, mm. watching Tan Dunn make music with water, tubs of water. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I know what I'm doing this afternoon. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, we do have a show tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'll be with you. Um, and then, of course, Weekend Ozarks at Large on 91.3 KUF Sunday mornings at 9. Uh, all kinds of great stuff coming up in the next several days. I'm excited to hear the longer version of the Excel by 8 story that's going to be on on Sunday. And maybe maybe tomorrow, too. I like it. I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks for being with us. KUAF is supported by Penguinette's Barbecue, open for curbside pickup seven days a week at Mission and Crossover in Fayetteville, and open seven days a week with dine-in, patio, and curbside pickup at the historic B&B location. PenguinEds.com for menus.
The University of Arkansas Department of Political Science offers political science and public administration and nonprofit studies graduate programs. Both programs train the next generation of local, state, national, and global leaders in the public, nonprofit, and private sectors. Applications for fall 2024 and graduate assistantships are available for qualified applicants. plsc.uark.edu for more information.